Sometimes the biggest challenge we have is, is, is stepping into the praise uh, that we need to have in our lives uh, because there's someone next to us that needs to hear it. There's someone else next to us that needs to see the freedom you have so they can be reminded of the freedom they have. And in a way, that's what we're starting this week with our Born for This series. As we walk towards Christmas, uh, we are being reminded of what uh, the Israelites would have been looking for in a Messiah so that we can be reminded of how much we need a Savior and a Messiah. That we need Jesus, just like they needed Jesus. And so there's a season called Advent. Anybody ever heard the word Advent? And, uh, and really, the idea behind this, and I was talking to uh, Joel right before the service, and he was actually mentioning Advent, and I said, man, we're starting a series on Advent, and that's not something we typically would normally do, and you don't find that in a lot of churches, at least uh, uh, kind of the, forward, the, the evangelical church. You still see that in some mainline denominations and some liturgical-type churches. There is a calendar set for the Christian year. And it doesn't mean December 1st isn't December 1st. It just means there are seasons that we should rec- uh, recognize and celebrate. Uh, so you hear words like Lent or you hear Easter is one of those things. Advent is one of those things. Uh, the first Sunday in January is Epiphany Sunday. Uh, there, are, there are all these kind of moments in the calendar year where there are things that we should recognize and celebrate. And Advent is one of those things. Now Advent, let me just explain this. Advent was based on the idea that there was a Messiah coming. That there was a Messiah that was going to come to earth and show up and save the people of Israel. That they were looking towards a Messiah to be their Savior. And so Advent, it really does mean, just simply means that someone was to come or visit. And so this idea of Advent is that, that there was going to be a Savior that was going to come and visit the earth and show up and set up a new kingdom. Based upon all the prophecies in the Old Testament. And so this idea of Advent is that you would celebrate what, uh, uh, what has come in Jesus as a child, but then also begin to look forward in anticipation to the fact that he's coming again. So, so, so Christmas isn't just a time where you celebrate the gifts you're going to get, all right? Let's be honest. Many of you guys, your third, fourth, fifth present from last year, you don't even remember and, and didn't even like, and you like the first one, but you're not even sure you know where that is anymore, and, and you might be wearing a Christmas shirt, but you can't even remember who gave it to you, and, and so the, the Christmas season can get caught up in all these other things, but really Advent is meant to allow us to really focus in on what Christmas is really about, that Jesus showed up as a child Born like one of us so that he could die like one of us so that he could rise like none of us. And that we could begin to celebrate him and worship him and honor him. And Advent really keeps our hearts and our eyes and our our hands open to what God could do and will do. And so in, in a way Advent is us celebrating that he's already shown up. Okay, but it's also anticipating that he will show up again. And so we live in a place, and in fact, it's funny because we just came out of this kingdom series. Advent is talking about a king who was going to show up and rule and reign and establish a new kingdom. So in many ways, we're just kind of continuing this kind of theme that we've been on, that Christ would rule and reign in our hearts and therefore change how we live and who we are. And and so Advent is this idea, and it's based on one key scripture. In fact, Joel saw the verse that we were going to be reading from prior to service, and he goes, that screams Advent to me. And, uh, and Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 and verse 6, in fact, all of Isaiah 9, but a lot of Isaiah, they would say Isaiah, uh, Isaiah was like the messianic prophet. He spoke so much of the soon coming king, spoke so much of the one who was to come. And Isaiah 9, you hear a lot around the season, and you'll hear a lot as we move forward towards Christmas. But Isaiah 9, 2 says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Everybody say, will see. 
will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And in verse 6, and this is one you may have heard, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. In many ways, we celebrate Advent so that we could remember the longing and the desire and the hope and the want of a people for a Messiah so that it would also then remind us of our same hope and want and desire for a Savior. I mean, you've got to realize that the people of Israel had been through quite a bit. They'd always known God was there and the pillar of fire and the, or the pillar of smoke and the fire and the, the, the manna and they delivered him from Egypt through the plagues and, and took him into the promised land. And all the while, they kind of messed up a few times and they kind of made this thing a bit more difficult, as children seem to do, made things a little bit more difficult than it needed to be, right? Put on your shoe, but I want to sit down. Okay, sit down. I'm going to put on your shoe, but I want to stand up. Okay, but I want to run and you put it on while I'm running around the house. We just tend to make things a bit more difficult on our Father God sometimes than we really need to. And so the Israelites had kind of walked through. They'd walked through uh, uh, slavery. They'd walked through uh, uh, torture. And, and they'd walked through so many different things where they had kind of missed the mark and, and where they had been put in difficult situations. And so these type of prophecies are being spoken to a people who are waiting for God to show up in the form of a Savior and King. And for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years had been looking forward to the soon coming king. And as the day draws near, and you see this in the Gospels, uh, both in John, he talks about the light that was going to come into the world. And you see the angels who show up to Joseph and Mary and say, no, 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 this is going to be okay. Do not be afraid. For unto you a, a Savior is born. His name will be Jesus. And so he's going to save his people from their sins. And so this whole Advent season is us growing our expectation and growing our vision. And there's four key themes. Now, really, if you were to look into this, and I would, you know, let me just throw this in there. I would challenge all of you, especially those of you with family, I would challenge you to go look up something called the Advent Conspiracy. Advent Conspiracy. A-D-V-E-N-T Conspiracy. All right, Advent, should I spell the conspiracy word or the Advent one? The Advent one's probably the easy one, right? Do you want me to prove I can spell? No, I'm not going to do that. So, because it just so happens I would mess it up. I do know how to spell. Advent conspiracy, I think it's .com or .org, but just look up Advent conspiracy. And they give you four tenets. Worship fully, spend less, give more. I know they'll explain that part. Spend less, give more, and love all. And it has some incredible things you can do with your kids, you can do with your husband or your wife, you can do with your friends, some really great things. And I would just challenge you to do that because I don't want us to run past Christmas uh, for, for all the things the culture will tell you it's for. Um, I think, you know, culture celebrates some great things about Christmas, the family and the, the fun and the joy, and they sing all the Christian songs, you know, about the Savior. But if, they, if, if we can't in that also insert what this is really about, what they're really singing about, what they're really doing, what they're doing, uh, then, then we've missed our chance. These, this is an opportunity. And so for us, I want us to celebrate Advent. And talk about this idea that we both have a celebration to take up and we also have an anticipation to hold. And there's four themes. And these are the four that we're going to run with. If you looked up Advent, you'd find that there are several different ways to go about this and to celebrate different themes of Advent. But the four we're going with are four key words that we find in Jesus. There's hope, peace, joy, and love. 
So over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about those four words. Hope, peace, joy, love. I think peace is going to be really interesting. I think you're going to find that the word, the, the, the definition and the idea of peace is different than you probably expect it to be. So I would encourage you to be there for that. Hope, peace, joy, love. Now, how many of you guys know those are four really good words? I like those words. If I can have all four of those in my life every day, all day, then I'm in good shape. Hope, peace, joy, love. If I can get those four, I'm in good shape. And today we're going to talk about hope. And I love this word hope. You know, in fact, our church started with the word hope. We were called the Hope Christian Community Church. Uh, we just wanted to have one of those long names, you know. Appeals to everybody. At least one of these words someone's going to like. Hope Christian Community Church. Then it changed to Hope Christian City Church as we joined the movement. Then it changed from Hope C3 Church. And then it changed to just C3 Church. Now we just call it C3 because C3 Church is actually redundant. And, um, but you'll get that later. And, uh, and, and, but we started with the word hope. And Romans 15, 13 was our, was our verse that the God of hope would fill you with all joy and love. That he would, you would overflow with hope. What is hope? We're going to talk about that in a bit. But I want, I want to read out of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter uh, 6. I want to read this verse. And, and, and I want to talk about this because I think this matters. As you celebrate Christmas, so turn to Hebrews chapter 6. But as you, as you celebrate Christmas, what you're celebrating is the birth of a child. And, and let me just tell you my experience. Whenever I had, uh, when Kaysen was born, our first son, when Kaysen was born, I did not look at that child and begin to go through all the things he wasn't going to accomplish. I didn't say he's going to be terrible at math, because I'm not any good at math. I didn't say his one-footed, dirt fadeaway jumper was not ever going to make it to the NBA. I, I didn't say, oh, I'm sure he's got some allergies. I, I didn't say any of, I didn't say, man, he's really not going to be as fast as I need him to be. I didn't, I didn't, he's going to be a terrible driver. Uh, man, I, you know, I didn't say any of those things. What did I say? I picked up my son and I thought, in my head, all I could think of, potential. How amazing can his life be? How incredible can this little boy's life be? What is possible for him. What could happen if I love him and steward him, if Meredith and I parent him well, and if people come around him and, and God begins to work on his life? And what, what, is the, what is the possibilities for this little boy? I mean, wrapped up in a baby is all the potential you can think of. And, and in so many ways, a baby is hope personified, isn't it? That there's this, this expectation of their life that it's going to be incredible and it's going to be good and that life is going to move forward and they're going to be healthy and strong. And, and it doesn't even matter how they, how, how they show up on the earth. It doesn't matter that whatever case they're in, whatever situation, whatever's been said about them, whatever's been diagnosed or what, it doesn't matter. You hold that child and you go, there's possibility here. And so it's interesting to me that Jesus shows up as a baby. Because in this child is wrapped up a whole new way of doing life. These names of, uh, of a mighty God, of an uh, uh, everlasting Father. These, these names of, of Jesus that are talked about, that he's going to save them from their sins. That he's going to bring in a new government. This idea of this little baby, he's going to grow up and he's going to change the world forever. Like there's hope just simply in the fact that Jesus, a child, was born unto us. 
And this hope that sits in our hearts and our spirits. In fact, you would see the word hope throughout the New Testament, wouldn't you? You'd see words like faith, hope, and love. And the most important of these is love. But faith, hope, and love, these three things remain. Uh, you can see hope, Romans 15, 13, as I talked about earlier. You, you can see the psalmist often say, I put my hope in your word. So there's this hope. But I want to focus in on one verse out of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, and we could probably read some verses around it, but we're just going to focus in on verse 19. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. And it says this, it says, this hope, everybody say this hope. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. This hope, this hope. I've, I've actually enjoyed, you know, this Thanksgiving was even more fun than normal because the Cowboys are competitive again. And uh, uh, it's funny, two years ago they were too, but it just feels like forever ago. And, uh, and, 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 and I remember being able to watch the game and, and leading up to the game, there is this, there's this hope that they're going to do well, right? There's this expectation that they're going to do well, like they're going to make it happen. They're going to make it work. But there's also this part of you that's like, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. How many of you know having expectations can be difficult sometimes? Sometimes it's easier just to not have any expectations. Like I don't want expectations because then I, would, I don't have to let you down, right? And sometimes expectations can be difficult because you end up on this kind of roller coaster of it's going to work, it's not going to work. It's going to work. If you watch a football game with my brother, you know that's exactly how he does life because he would say if it's first quarter, first play, it, it's an incomplete pass, game's over. We're not going to play well today. If you're watching a football game with Scott and they don't catch the ball, he's like, we pay you $2 million to catch a football. Like, why can't you just catch it every single time, 100% of the time? And, hey, I, and here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. We have this expectation. And what hope is, the way the Bible would define hope is what to simply say is a confident expectation. A confident expectation. Not just an expectation, a confident expectation. This hope, this hope, this hope of eternal life, this hope of Jesus Christ, this hope brings a confident expectation. And this confident expectation in our lives changes the way we live. It changes the way we do things. It's, it's confident. In the Cowboys, we're not talking about Cowboys kind of hope. All right? I mean, that's a nice hope. They're doing well this year. But, but that's, that's just, that's, a, that's kind of a, like, a, I hope you do well. Have you ever heard that, man? I, I'm hoping things go well for you. And you kind of go, what does that actually mean? Well, it means I'm expecting things to move in your favor, but I'm not entirely sure they will. Especially when they say, I, I hope that works out for you. <laughs> right? Like you can already tell they really don't. That's not the kind of hope we're talking about. That's not the kind of hope the Bible speaks of. The Bible speaks of a confident hope. A hope that makes you stand up a little bit taller. A hope that makes you talk a little bit stronger. A hope that says, I got faith and hope and love no matter what's going on. I have a hope. And sometimes it's hard for us to get around what we're dealing with to see this kind of hope. But he describes it as, as a hope that would be an anchor for our souls. Have you ever, um, have you ever felt like you, your life was just kind of on a sea and you just kind of never stopped 
moving. I remember we, I've only done it on one cruise. It was a three-day cruise. I can't imagine what this would feel like if it went longer. It was a three-day cruise, and I remember getting off of that boat, and for two days, I'm just, just moving, right? I just can't. And people were like, bro, it's 9 a.m. Why'd you drink so much? You know, you're just like, and, and I'm, you're just kind of not, and you just feel like you're moving. I don't know if you've ever felt like life is doing that to you. Like you, you're trying to stand still, but it just feels like everything is still moving, and you can't get on a straight line, and you can't make any progress. Anybody, I feel like I'm the only one. Anybody ever felt like that? Like that life just keeps making you move, and there's nothing solid about it and yet the bible tells us that we have a hope that is the anchor for our souls it keeps us grounded now the word soul the word soul you could actually define the word soul this isn't the entire definition but you could define the word as breath it's an interesting way to define the word soul it means this if your soul's unhealthy you ain't gonna breathe right have you ever felt like life was just short of breath like every day you wake up and you're just going, you just can't quite catch your breath. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If your soul is out of whack, if your mind, body, and spirit are not working together, if your will is, is not working together with your body and your heart is not quite working, to, if those things aren't working, then you kind of always have this shortness of breath in your life. You just can't quite get all the breath you need. And so when he says he's an anchor for your soul, he's saying he's going to provide for you a place where nothing will make you drift to the left or drift to the right, move to what you used to be or, or go back into those thoughts about yourself or move backwards into what might have been. You're going to be one that is settled and sure and you're not going to move and in that place you can actually begin to breathe again. You can actually begin to breathe strong, big, long breaths. You can actually begin to get your breath back. That's the kind of anchor Jesus is for us. This hope is sure, and it is steadfast, and it is trustworthy. The words there are actually meaning they will not be broken, and there is no test or no trial you can put them under that would ever make them snap or break. Th this hope, this hope... This hope is a strong, trustworthy anchor for our soul. It's an anchor that lets us breathe a bit differently. It's an anchor that lets us run this race with endurance. That's the kind of hope that we have. But maybe I haven't quite defined this hope just yet. This hope. When you're talking about this hope, you're talking about Jesus. In fact, in Paul's first letter to his, kind of his, uh, uh, the one he mentored and really calls his son in the faith, his first letter, in fact, the first sentence of his first letter to Timothy, when Timothy was leading uh, a rather large church that Paul had kind of handed to him, Tim, he writes this word, he says, I'm a, a, a servant of, the, of God, and then he says this, um, that I, and our hope, and our hope, Christ Jesus. By, the, by Christ Jesus, who is our hope. 
Paul never moves away from the idea that it isn't your circumstances and it isn't your material possessions and it isn't how well you've done or how well you will do and it isn't your personality or your gifts or your talents. None of those things will provide for you the hope that you've been so desperately seeking, the kind of hope that lets you get your breath back and never move and left or right. That kind of hope doesn't come because of any of those things. Paul never moves away from this thought that the hope you have is in Christ Jesus. Why does that matter? Because our hope doesn't go down into the earth and hold us tight as we're moving through to and fro in the sea. Our hope extends into heaven. Our hope is an eternal one. And that's what our hope must first be, is an eternal one. Our hope must first be in what is shown in eternity in Jesus Christ. That's why you actually see in the rest of the verse, it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Now that's referencing the, the tabernacle from the Old Testament. No longer does that actually exist for us. We don't have to go through any kind of stages to get into the Holy of Holies. And, but it's referencing this idea that in the, the deepest, uh, uh, farthest reaches of the tabernacle, in the very middle of that thing, that, that you actually, that is where the presence of God dwells. And so this hope, this hope, this confident expectation, this sure and steadfast anchor, this hope resides in the presence of of God. This hope resides in what is eternal. This hope that resides in what is not of this earth, but in what is of heaven. This hope resides in Jesus. It is eternal. And so when the, the Israelites saw Jesus born, and some who didn't believe and some who did, and, and the shepherds showed up and, and, and the kings showed up and they saw Jesus and began to worship him as king as a little baby boy, this Messiah that had come into the earth, this Savior who had come into the earth, this, this confident expectation of theirs had finally shown up. God had provided and shown up where he most need, was most needed. That he actually did what he said he would do. He sent his son. This confident expectation was here now. Born unto us for this very reason. That our hope would be sustained, that our hope would be increased, and that in the middle of him already coming and, 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 and him coming again, we can have this hope that impacts our now. This hope that is eternal. And so while you may deal with what is currently happening in your life, while you may deal with what is currently pushing you back and forth, there is a hope that should anchor you and help you understand and help you know and help us realize that this is not just about what is temporarily here in front of us, but what is eternally there before us. This hope that we would never let go of, that we would never move away from. This hope that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This hope which is eternal. That's the kind of hope we have. It's an eternal hope that impacts our temporary lives. This, this life on earth is short. This is not the longest part of our existence. This will not be the sum of who we are. We have an eternity that we are hoping for because of what Jesus has already done and what he has promised he will do. And so I can stand in the midst of that and go, God, I am standing firmly this sea will not throw me to the right or to the left. I am standing firmly in the hope that is Christ Jesus. 
It is sure, and it is trustworthy, and it is steadfast, and it is unchanging, and it is immovable, and it is based on the idea that I am in the presence of God, and that Jesus will not change on me. In fact, that's what Revelation tells us, and Revelation really truly is just about the revelation of Christ. Sometimes we make it all about the end times, but if you were really to talk through what Revelation is about, it is about the revealing of who Christ really is, especially to the church. Revelation 1.8 says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am, listen to this, I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. So we get to stand upon three things. The fact that he's always been here. Nothing's new to him. Nothing surprises him. Nothing, he, he's, he's dealt with this before. When we go, oh, what about this guy who's elected, this guy who wasn't, this guy who stole money, and this guy who took this, and this guy who hurt me, and this guy who's offended me, and this guy's and this lady, and this, we, he's seen it all before. He's not surprised by any of it. He's been through some of these things before. And the fact that he is right now. He is right now. He is a living hope, not a dead hope that hopefully soon will come back to life. He is a living, 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 living hope, alive right now. He's, Jesus is not dead. He's alive. So we celebrate both what he's already done, what he is currently doing, whether or not you think he's doing it. What he is currently doing, who he currently is, Jesus. And then we have this other part, that he's still got more. That he is still to come. That Jesus is still coming back for his bride, the church. That Jesus is coming once again for the body of Christ. That Jesus is setting, self, uh, setting a people apart for his namesake, for his glory. That he would bring them back to him for eternity. That that is the Christ we serve. This one that who was and is and who will be. And, and, and I notice the word is not just that the one who was and is and will be. It, it means that he is to come. He is coming again. So he already was. He is currently here. And he's coming again. Doesn't that kind of blow your mind a little bit? That's the God we serve. And that's where our hope resides. Our hope is eternal. It must be first eternal. It must be first that which will last forever. Or we will always think what we are currently in is bigger than who he currently is. We will always think that what is now will be what is forever. And we get in such a tough spot when we continue to tell ourselves that what is going on right now will never change. As though seasons don't exist. And sometimes seasons go longer than we thought. Sometimes it's the end of November before it ever gets cold. Sometimes seasons go longer than we ever thought they would go. But we understand that there is always, always, always a new season coming. And that with Jesus, there is always someone on their way. That's the hope we have. That's what Christmas should be about. Christmas, Christmas should be us celebrating that Jesus has already come. And he's coming again. So when we're going to shopping for presents, do that. But in the midst of the celebration and the singing and the, the carols and the debt and the crowds and the lines, in the midst of all of those things, let us not forget the hope that is an anchor for our souls. The hope that is strong and steadfast so that we can breathe again. That's the hope we have. That's what we celebrate. Let us not move on so quickly to the celebration of gifts 
that we forget, as corny as this might sound, the real gift of Christmas. This gift is, is hope. It's a confident expectation. I want to read this quote to you that as I was preparing, that I, I just I love this quote. It says, I believe it still. God is redeeming all that is. Uh, God is redeeming all that is broken in us, curing all that is sick in us, and bringing all that is dead in us to life. I believe it still. God is redeeming all that is broken in us and curing all that is sick in us and bringing all that is dead in us to life. The promise for Israel and the promise for his church is Jesus. He has come. He will come again. This is the season of Advent. This is Christmas time. The celebrating that Jesus already showed up once and that Jesus is going to show up again. And in the meantime, the Holy Spirit will never let you forget that he currently is. And so maybe my challenge for you during this Christmas season, as we talk about this word hope, is two words. Two words. Expect God. Expect God in everything. I know this sounds, maybe you, some of you are up against something right now, and you're going, oh, expect God. Where? In like the good stuff, and like the stuff that's going well, and the, and the bank account that's full, or the, the one that's empty. Expect God. Wherever. Expect God. Let us be people who live every day with a confident expectation that God was, and he is, and he will be. Let us live every day with a confident expectation that God is currently and presently with us and will be with us until his son returns again to take his church. Let us live expecting God. That's hope, that we would expect God in our toughest moments, in our relationships that are not working in our workplace that just seems to be a greater stress on my life than I ever imagined it would be, on our neighbors who are walking through the most difficult times, in that conversation I'm having that I wasn't quite prepared for, and in the money that's not as going as far as I would hope it would go, and in our children that just aren't quite turning to God the way we want them to, and in every situation, in every moment, in every relationship, expect God. Live with hope. That he has not forgotten you. He has not left you. And he is coming again for you. That you are his child. He showed up as a child. Not so that we would think low of him. But that we would think highly of him. Because he came exhibiting and showing more than anything else. That there is now hope. Potential. What can happen? What can happen? If the life and kingdom of Christ becomes full grown in me. And if I allow him to rule and reign in my life in every season and in every day, let me expect God. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that your life, your life, the one that never ends, the one that was and is and is to come, the one that gives us this confident expectation the one that is sure and trustworthy, the one that lets us breathe again. Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you that this Christmas season, 
is not just about the gifts we receive and the carols we can sing. It's not just about the, the radio station that plays nothing but Christmas music. It isn't just about the food we get to eat. It, it, and Lord, for some of us, Christmas is not a good time. For some of us, it reminds us of what was. And so we are, there's just this long stretch, different emotions, different feelings, different things that are happening in all of us. And, and God, I pray that what could happen, what could unite all of us is that in all these things, that in all these seasonal activities, God, that we would not forget, not just during Christmas, but in all our days and in every week we live and in every month that we go on, Lord, that we would always live with an expectation of you. That we would always live with an eternal view. We would always live with our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that no matter what we're walking through, no matter the race we run, God, we would run it with endurance because you are a hope that anchors our soul. Song three, Brick. Because you are greater than what was. You are greater than even what is, and you are greater than what is to come. Because in all of those seasons, you were reigning as God and King. So I pray our hope, our hope is fixed upon Jesus. Eternal, reigning, mighty Jesus. If some of you today would say, you know what, I, I feel like I've been on that ocean that you're talking about. I've been on that sea, and I feel like that, man, my, my, my life is just drifting anywhere and everywhere the winds and waves will take me. I, I just, I feel like I have never been able to settle in. In fact, I feel like I'm short of breath pretty much every day of my life. I just never feel like I'm going to catch up. I never feel like I'm going to be able to take another breath. I always feel like it's about to be over. And today I need hope. I need to expect God. I want to expect God. I want to have a confident expectation. I do not want to ride this roller coaster anymore. I want to stand upon the rock that is Christ Jesus, that no matter what storm comes, you will be the same yesterday, today, and forever. You will not leave me. You will not forsake me. My house will remain standing. And whatever season I am in currently, I will have an expectation of the God who has reigned in every season. God, I pray right now, if there's anyone in here, that you would begin to work on their hearts, that they would be bold enough to respond, that they would be willing and honest enough to say, that's me. If that's you today, and you'd say, you know what? I want to live with an expectation of God, and I want to live no longer on the seas of life I want that's just drifting back and forth. I want to live with an anchor that is that is connecting me to heaven, with an anchor that allows me to breathe again, with an anchor that allows me to have a hope a confident expectation of what is and what is to come. If that's you this morning, you say, that's me. I want to have that confident expectation, but I haven't had it in a long time. My breath is running short. If that's you this morning, would you just right now, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you, man. Anybody else? Anybody else will say, that's me. Anybody else? Thank you. Put your hand down. It's awesome. Anybody else who say, you know what? I, I just, I know I need a breath. I'm not living that full life of faith anymore. I'm not, I don't have expectations. When I wake up in the morning, I don't expect God to do anything on my behalf. I don't expect God to do anything great. I don't, I don't have these, my prayer life is, is just kind of there, but it's not. I, I want the expectation of my life to raise to a new level, to rise to a new level. If, that, if that's you, would you just right now, would you just raise your hand? Thank you, man. 
Anybody else? I want to pray. God, we thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for the, the two people that raised their hand this morning. I'm so thankful for their honesty, for their willingness to go, I want to, I want to live in a new place. I want to live with my hope fixed upon Jesus. That no matter what is to come and no matter what was and no matter what I think might be, that my hope does not rest upon what is currently in my season and currently in my circumstances. My hope rests upon Jesus who's never left me, never forsaken me. And even, even through all of the trial and through all of the pain and through all of this stuff, just like the Israelites who had this long standing expectation of a son who would be born, who would bring a new government, who would bring a new thing. That, that long expectation, God, I pray that we would have that same long expectation that, God, what I'm currently in will not be what I'm always in. What I'm currently dealing with will not define me. But my hope is in the Lord. My hope is in Christ Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I can have this confident expectation that God is for me. Lord, I pray that over those who raised their hand. God, I pray that over even those who did not. But I pray that all of us walk out of here with a hope. God, whatever we need to hear from you today, Lord, I pray we hear it. The Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing to close this morning. As we start this Advent season, it runs up to the last Sunday of, uh, right before Christmas. And uh, uh, we're going to have a really powerful time talking through these four words. Hope, peace, joy, love. And hopefully you can walk out of here with a hope the changes, the circumstances, and situations, and the people you're with. Hey, as we, as we sing this last song, we've got people, amazing people, standing on my right and my left, uh, incredible people who know how to pray through some of the most difficult things. And if you need prayer, please go and grab them as we sing. Uh, don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't go, oh, I don't know about what the... Please just step out of your seat and go find them as we begin to sing this morning. I want to pray quickly with you and agree with you. Amen? Let's go for it.